J.T. Crowley is talking books. On this show, you'll hear from emerging talent and seasoned veterans from around the world. Hello, I'm J.T. Crowley, and today on the show, I'm delighted to welcome Will Stebbings from the Rotland area in the United Kingdom. Will has been writing for a number of years. There are seven books in his collection that we are going to highlight today. Will and a lot of his followers would probably best describe his books, his writings, as easy reads with a fair smattering of humour. And believe me, everybody, there's lots of humour in these books. I thoroughly enjoyed the humour. So the humour is dotted throughout. For a lot of people, shall we say, of, of a certain mature age, Will connects with the characters and the storylines. For some of the stories are a blast from the past, a jog down memory lane, as we recall the good old rust bucket cars back then and how dating has changed so much in the 60s and 70s when you went out to the clubs to get a date. Now you go online and swipe right. <laughs> the books we're going to open and delve into are the four that make up the Mark Barker series, Off the Mark, Further Off the Mark, Completely Off the Mark, and Mark's Out of Eleven, followed by three of his standalone books, Tess of the Dorberbills, A Bang on the Head, and Happy as a Grumpy Road. Will has been married to Yvonne for more years than he can recall. He has two sons, David and John, who lead their own individual lives, now having fled the nest. He was born in King's Lynn in the United Kingdom at a very early age, according to himself. And that's the type of humour you're just going to get, everybody. Yes, we're all born at a very early age. But for him, he was born at a very early age. Will has led a busy life, um, both professionally and personally. And like his character, Mark Barker, has experienced lots of things. Hmm. So let's get him on the show to find out a little more about him and what's lurked between the pages of these books. Will, it's a great delight to have you on the show. Come and join me. Hello, John. How are you? I am fantastic. And I have thoroughly enjoyed looking at your books. And as I said, everybody, these are easy reads. And believe you me, the humour and the satire are hilarious in times. You're going to enjoy them, everybody. Now, Will, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you wrote the books? Right. I was working uh, in the IT industry for many years. And at this particular time when I started writing, which I think was about 2002, possibly 2003, I was working for a facilities management company who were charging my time to their customers to provide IT support. Unfortunately, on one particular project, uh, I was asked to sit around and do very little for about six months. The project wasn't ready for my input, and I did about a week's worth of work in six months. And if you ever done anything like that, it was driving me nuts. <laughs> Whinge to my wife, she said, why don't you write a book? Which made a lot of sense because I had the use of a computer in front of me. I had the advantage of looking busy, which I had to do anyway. And I could just get on and write. And three months later, I had a novel written. Uh, 70,000 words, not all unique words. Some of them I'd used several times. Um, 
And when I'd finished writing it, I still had this situation where I'd got no work. So I read through it with a view to proofreading, editing, improving it, whatever. Found I enjoyed it. I even got aroused at some of the naughty bits. Really? Um, <laughs> that's, that's just an example of my hilarious sense of humour, by the way. Um, and then, of course, I wanted to get it published, so I started sending it off to publishers. Um, very unsuccessfully. It took me till 2012 before I went down the self-publishing route. The problem I had with getting it published is it doesn't fit into acceptance genres like crime or fantasy or whatever. It's quite a unique um, genre. You don't go into a bookshop and find shelves saying 60s humour. So... Uh, that's why I went self-published. I knew I would never get a publisher to pick it up. And publishers don't take risks with things like that these days anyway. Um, once it was published, I was pleasantly surprised at the results I got from uh, readers, many of a similar age to me who could identify with the 60s situation, the nostalgia, as you say, the old cars and the music, the fashions and things like that. And some people wanted me to write a sequel um, because they wanted to find out what happened to Mark Barker after um, he got off the mark, so to speak. Um, so a year later, I produced another book. Um, this one didn't sell quite as well, but that's, that's another question really for you. Let's um, kickstart off with the four books that make up the Mark Barker series. Now, we both agree, Will, that to fully understand the character Mark, um, you should really read the books in, you know, in sequence. That's what I believe. And these are all told, everybody, in the, with Will Stebbings' own unique sense of humour. All of these books carry wonderful humour, which I thoroughly, thoroughly agreed with him, is absolutely hilarious at times. I laughed so much in these books. Let's go to uh, Mark's Out of Eleven, which in some ways completes the quadrilogy because it goes back to the 60s with what affects her teachers and the teaching methods then. Now, I quite liked a couple of chapters in this book, Chapters 2 and 1A and Chapter 11, where, you know, the chapters are headed up, have your cake and eat it, and say, like, for Chapter 20, the puberty. But what I really want to get at here, Mark, is where did the character Mark Barber and the stories in this book emerge from? And do you have any favourite aspects and areas in this book that you like so much that you created this character, Mark Barker? First of all, I'm going to have to say that I get accused of writing an autobiography, which I have always disputed. There's a lot of me in the character, and there's a lot of personal experiences in the stories, but there's also a lot of pure creation, and it's all intermingled. Um, Obviously, I lived through that same period, so I, the time scale is the same as what I experienced. So I went to school in grammar school in 1960, and I started work in 1965. 
So all of that, to a certain extent, does follow some of my experiences. Some of the characters are actually a sort of mixture of people I knew. So they take little traits of their individual character and merged it into one interesting character and just built the story along there. It was a, a different time than what we live now. Um, you've already talked about uh, things like the cars, but there's also things like you only had two channels on your television, if you had a television at all. And I use um, marks out of 11 as a, as a vehicle to describe how Mark's character developed. He went to an all-boys grammar school where he was mixing with boarders who tend to be a bit more upper class, toffee-nosed, whatever. And here he was, a working-class person, wearing his brother's hand-me-downs. Uh, so he was he developed the shyness that comes across in Off the Mark during that period. He never saw any girls because it was an all-boys grammar school. And he didn't see very much of adults apart from the teachers, who are a different breed anyway. So, and, of course, the teaching methods back in those days were very different to these days, aren't they? Oh, yes, yes. You didn't want to get the cane, so it was a deterrent. Nowadays, we don't have such deterrents, so I'm not going to go into whether it's good or bad, but that's how it was. <laughs> And he certainly had no interactions with girls because if he saw a girl come up to him, he'd run the other other way, wouldn't he? Yes. yes. <laughs> and this is what this book is about, everybody. Um, it's wonderfully written, and you're going to enjoy the the little storyline and the characters that are in this book. Now, well, let's go to um, the next one, off the mark. Well, you set this timeline here in the mid-1960s, as you've already said. This is where the book is written, the era, 1960s. And it's all about Mark's first adventures into the adult world. He's left school, he's attained six O-levels, and he sets himself four targets, objectives, if you so to speak, to be achieved by the end of that summer. They are to get a good job, some decent clothes because he's fed up with the hand-me-downs from his brothers, a new bike, and more experience with girls. Now, in all fairness to Mark, he meets these challenges with various degrees of success. His dating experiences and choice of girls, like Jenny, for example, and his relationship with those in the working office, many of us can sympathise with his because he's a shy, sensitive guy. He's reasonably intelligent. He's a young guy. And out of all the chapters, I like chapter four, first day of work, because a lot of us can recall the first day of work. And chapter nine, sport for choice. And chapter 18, time's running out. I think you've already answered part of this question because I've sent it. Is this you going back to your own life and reflecting your own experiences at that time? And you letting the readers into a little bit about yourself here and that's why you set him up as the runaround junior in the office, learning about working with older people and the tensions that do exist in a working environment, which are very different to school life. 
and the contrasting types of girls that came his way. And boy, they were contrasting everybody. <laughs> they came in a variety of shapes and personalities. Why this book, Will? Did you enjoy creating this follow-on book? Well, bear in mind, this was the first book I wrote. It well, was, yes. The other one is, is written as a prequel. It is, yeah. Uh, at the time, as I said, I was working as an IT consultant, providing payroll uh, support. And as I was sitting there with nothing to do, I was thinking how things have changed since I started work in the 60s to there I was working on computers with screens in front of you, whatever. In, in those days, it was all very manual. Even the, even the cash was handled manually. Um, you had to write pay slips through three or four layers of carbon paper. So you had to press hard and end up with blisters <laughs> on your hands or whatever. And, of course, it was all pounds, shillings, and pence as well. So if you're calculating somebody's 39 and a half hours at seven shillings and 11 pence halfpenny, that's not an easy calculation, even though I'm quite good at maths. You'd have to either do it with pencil and paper, or you had a thing called a ready reckoner. There were no such things as pocket calculators then. A ready reckoner is a big, thick book which contains page for all these denominations of money. So you'd have a page for seven shillings, eleven pence, and you look up what it would be if you worked 39 and a half as a little table, and you record that on your timesheet and transfer that to the payroll. And I just saw that as a contrast of how I was working at the time in 2002, 2003. Of course, a lot of the people in those days, they got pay packages, didn't they? Little brown envelopes. And it was cash. Yes, we had to go to the bank to collect the cash. None yes. Security business. I remember I worked in the bank, and we used to get the payrolls in every week, you know, on a Thursday. Here's the list. We take the phone calls. You know, we want £3,000 of this in, in these denominations. Yes, yes. Um, so I, re I remember that as well. And... I. And it's, it's one, you know, as I said, you know, the experience he has with the girls, you know, came in a whole shapes of you know, personalities. They were fun, weren't they? Yes. Uh, but we're not going to go into them because if you want to find out, everybody, what the um, his relationships were like, who he dated, go and read the book. Now, further off the mark, Will, this is the next in the Mark Barker series. It starts off with Mark now in his early 20s, having broken up with Jenny, who was divorced, and she decided to go back to her former lover, Liam. He's sitting in the pub feeling sorry for himself. He's in the doldrums, everyone. And we learn more about Mark's dates, his sexual activities, particularly with uh, Bodwin, who took him for a ride, literally everyone. <laughs> Maggie who kept a tally of all her sexual encounters. Mark was number 137, if you want to know everyone. And Sandy, a very attractive, but possibly boring and adventurous girl. Mark is revealing uh, just maybe 
he might have a bit of a penchant, a bit of a leaning for the older, mature uh, lady. And because he has a bit of a very cautious, flirtatious um, attempt at Sandy's mother, Angela. So, mm, does he like the older woman? Mm, I'll let you form that opinion yourself, everyone. Um, and again, we have got Mark here coping with all the car issues because those days the cars were made, they were like old rust buckets. And sometimes he'd be thinking, will I get to this date on time without breaking down or will it break down when I've got the girl in the car? Um, but I'm intrigued as to why the chapters and contents within this, um, you know, each chapter you've got in this book, Will, there's a classic reference to a classic soul song of the day. Why have you styled this book, you know, with a reference to the soul music and those chapters having bearing some relationship to that music? You are a soul person. Spill the beans here. Why have you done it this way? Well, when I wrote the first book, um, that had chapter titles. And I wanted to continue that idea, which I haven't always done with all the other books. Um, and I'd had some response from people who liked the soul music in the first book. So I thought, well, there's a market there. I'll try and aim it at people who like a bit of soul music. And I deliberately chose uh, songs from my experience which mirrored what's happening in the chapters. So they were all relevant. They're not just songs plucked out of the air for the sake of it. They were relevant to the individual chapters. Where did you get the idea of the two, um, how to say, bottling, you know, because she's took him for a ride, and Maggie, those characters? Um, it's just imagination, I think. <laughs> It's not saying much here, everybody. Yes, it's just oh, just just my imagination. <laughs> I, I want to introduce him to different women, not all the same. Uh, I mean, he had a taste for women of a certain type, but he was in cap. No two ladies are the same, so I wanted to bring out the fact that they are different. He had different experiences. He did, everyone. And if you want to find out what experiences he had, have a look at the book. I can't be fairer than that. Um, Will, completely off the mark. Like further off the mark, the chapter's headings had a, a reference to the title of a 60s or 70s soul record. And again, um, at the back, you list the artists who sang those songs. Clearly, you're a soul person. Now, when I opened the book, the prologue caught my attention. Yes, you immediately bring us into today's world, but straight away, you still, you instill the humour that is in so much evidence throughout all the whole series, uh, particularly the story of, the satirical story of the milkman um, and his interview with the human resources lady. Now, if you want to go and see everybody, what's the little satirical story about the milkman? Well, Read the book. It, it is really quite funny. Um, and for me, so the story, everybody was set in the 1970s. 
And Mark is in his 20s. He's 24. He's still chasing women, Claire, Polly, um, with not much luck. And, of course, he, you know, his strong sense of football and his music comes into this book. And his sexual activity isn't particularly great, but he's working on it. And we see him, you know, there's a color TV that comes in. We've got computer programming coming in. He gets made redundant. He's being re-employed. Um, his mother doesn't have a sympathetic attitude for him. And we start to get a first insight to his, um, in Chapter 21, his wife, Helen. And tennis was the link there. So th this is a busy book, Will, isn't it? There's a lot going on here. Did you enjoy writing this book and putting this plot together? And do you think it's engaging to all the, all the readers? Well, I always enjoy writing anyway. And I also enjoy um, hearing people say they enjoy reading it. So that gives me the incentive to carry on writing. Um, as to, yeah, it's uh, one of the things I tried to get across in all of the Mark Barker books is there's an awful lot of office banter. And that, I think, reflects working in an office environment. People come in in the morning, first thing they do is they talk about something on the television or they've heard a joke in the pub the previous night. And I, every office I've ever worked in, there's always office banter. And that's what I tried to get across in the writing. In fact, oh. when I read the first thing I missed was office banter. Oh, yes, the office banter, everyone, yes. I, I, you know, I miss that as well. But it's and, – and the jokes. You've got to enjoy the jokes in the stories, everybody. <laughs> One of the problems I had was I was writing for the 60s and 70s. If I'd have included the jokes that were around at that time, I wouldn't have been able to print them. Oh, no, definitely not. Scotsman and Irishman, whatever. You're <laughs> not allowed to be funny that way. No, we need to be PC. Yes. Now, Will, let's, let's move away from the uh, Mark Barker series and let's move on to what I see as the standalone books, the three. Uh, Tess of the Dormobiles, A Bang on the Head, and Happy is a Grumpy Road. But before we take a look at these books, do you think these three books add a good value to your collection, to your writings as a whole? I think so. Um, to take Test of the Dormobiles, I was trying to do something completely different. It was actually the third book that I wrote, and I'd already realised I was going to struggle to get the Mark Barker books published with a mainstream publisher. So I was trying to do something completely different. So I started writing um, a thriller. Unfortunately, because of the way I am, it turned out to be a comedy thriller. I couldn't tell. So it ended up different to what I intended. But again, I still got some enjoyment out of writing it. And some people preferred it, particularly ladies, because the Mark Barker books are very male-orientated. From a, well, written from a male point of view, whereas Tess of the Dawnbills has a female as a main character, and some people preferred 
Okay, let's let's go to Tessa the Dormabels. Um, as you said, it's slightly different, and certainly I found that it was slightly different as well. I feel you're breaking away from your normal plots and characters, and this is what I think gives this book an edge of difference, uh, because it is uh, the main character is a is a lady, whereas the other books are really male dominated. Um. And I think, you know, the reader should see another side to you here. You know, here we find Teresa Finbo, an author who has taken herself off to supposedly a quiet cottage in Norfolk to start work on her next novel, Tess of the Dormobiles. The central character is Tess, and for Teresa to get into the spirit of the book, she needs to embed herself into the mind of Tess. And to do that, she heads off to Norfolk. However... This approach has its drawbacks, and Teresa soon finds herself facing some unsavory characters like Billy and an even more sinister and dangerous character, his brother. Her ex-husband's protective support is limited, and she has to face some precarious moments. The plot has many twists to it, like any good story of this nature should be. Why did you venture away from your normal story and plots to publish this book, for it is different to the rest in the collection. That's my judgment. Why this book? Well, as I said, I wanted to write something different to the others. I wanted to set it in Norfolk because, again, some of the feedback I had on the first two books was people like the situations in Norfolk. I liked in the book, uh, for me, there was chapters 3, 11 and 15. I liked those chapters. Where do you see, Will, in this book of Tess of the Doorbells, the strong points and the bits that you like most? I think it's the the characters there. They're all different. It's, as you say, there's a sinister character, one who looks sinister but is actually misunderstood. Um, and there's the relationship between the various characters. And one particular character I love, Mrs. Fitheridge, if you remember her, Oh, I do. She, she comes out with spoonerisms. No, malapropisms. Sorry, malapropisms. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting, though, in that uh, book, you know, the relationship between um, Teresa and her husband, Danny, which is on and off. And when it's off, it's maybe there's an alleged uh, relationship, um, a gay relationship, you know, alleged with Michael. Um, did you enjoy writing that little episode, that sort of little story? Yeah, it was uh, gave me a little twist of something I hadn't done before. Uh, and it was more reflection of the character Michael than it was Teresa's husband, hmm. who was probably bisexual. Ah. But if you want to know more, everybody, as I say, go and have a peek at the book. Because it is, as I said, it's, it's humorous. It's a different book. It's a thriller. But it's, it's done with a sense of humor to it. Now, Will, let's have a look at your book, A Bang on the Head. Here we have the character, Rob Leonard. He's been playing football with his grandson, Barney. And... Unfortunately, he slips and falls backwards in the garden, banging his head. 
The book starts off with Rob waking up in hospital, unaware as to what has happened to him, and oblivious to the fact that he's been in a coma for a couple of days. The doctors appear and come across as unsympathetic. They're in a rush to discharge him so as to get the bed back. And once they establish that he's physically okay, they they discharge him. But whether he's mentally okay, that's a different matter. Um, Now, the character here remembers in his 20s, he remembers a girlfriend, Kate, who he intended to marry. He has a short-term memory. He remembers things that his wife, Julie, tells him uh, that has happened over the last few days and what you know, goes on there. But the 40 years in between are missing. That's the whole side of the story. It's the missing 14 years. But the, his wife, Julie, they go out for a ride and his memory gets jogged as to what happened 40 years ago. And that's what triggers his memory back. And he doesn't like what he sees. Why did you write this story? Are you trying to get a message across to here? Everybody will. It's this uh, you venturing to say to people who've been in a coma and have lost their memory, is this a book for them to contemplate on? No. It's more a question of filling the gap between the Mark Barker novels and the present time. It takes a situation where everything that happened in the late 70s and compare it with what's, I think it was 2019 when he woke up in the hospital. Yeah. So much. So when, he, when his wife picks him up in the hospital car park, first thing he sees is a sat nav and a camera, reversing camera and things like this. And people walking around with phones in their hands and being out to see pictures of their relatives. And it just, they can't comprehend it. And he expects because of 40 years space development that we've got province on the Mars or somewhere like that or on the moon. So it's it's just how things have changed and how things haven't changed almost. And the when he remembers what happens to Kate? Yeah, it, I mean, the reason he lost his memory because he suffered a trauma, mm. and it needed a trauma to trigger his memory of loss. So he could remember exactly what happened. Medically, amnesia is a condition that only covers short-term memory loss. So what he had wasn't actually amnesia as such. He'd suffered a trauma. So I had to look up a few things on the internet to get all this information. I'm not an expert on it. No, but you did a good job of it, though, didn't you? I think you did. Um, But I I do like, you know, for me in that book, it was the um, when he was constantly going back to memory what happened with Kate. Go and have a look, everybody, who Kate was. Now, I want to come to the last book here, Happy is a Grumpy Road, Will. Out of all the books... I enjoyed this one the most. And when I look at your notes on how you procured the title, um, 
you took this from a song written by Pam Sawyer and Frank Wilson, who were writers for Motown Records in the 1970s. The song in question was called Happy is a Bumpy Road and was first released as the flip side of a Supremes record in 1971. The Four Tops then recorded a version as a track on their Nature Planted LP released in 1972. Hence, Bumpy was substituted by you to Grumpy. Now, this is the story, everybody, of Ralph, a grumpy old gentleman who lost his wife, Alice, some five years back. He's rather stuck in his ways, and it was his daughter-in-law who suggests he registers with some dating apps, platforms, to see if he could hook up with some, um, some ladies, so to speak, of a variety of characters. And, you know, for companionship and maybe something else. He's reluctant at first, but his curiosity gets the better of him, and he registers for just one platform to start with. His dates normally start off in the coffee shop. However, the experiences he encounters on the dates vary enormously from being taken for a ride, literally, led up the garden path, and other little adventures uh, with not much success. So he registers with another dating app. After a period of three or four months, he registers with another app. And again, we've got the experiences, you know, the relationships, the dalliances, the adventures. But these are told when he goes to uh, the pub, meets his friend Jack, who is a former colleague of his, and he spills the beans about all his relationships, the dating situations. I found the book enthralling, captivating, funny, highly entertaining and fascinating. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. And so my question to you is, why did you choose to write this book? Was this you just having a, a bit of a laugh of dating? And, and why the characters? I need to take you back to a line in Tess of the Dormobiles where Teresa Finbo, the author mm -hmm. in that book, her first book was called Happy as a Grumpy Rude, which was a homage to her uncle, I think it was. Yeah. Done exactly that. He'd lost his wife and he'd been on dating sites trying to find a partner. She, she then went on to write or started writing her own version of Test the Dormobiles. But I remember that title, Happy as a Grumpy Road, and I sat down to write it to start with, as though it was her writing it. But then it started developing beyond that, and it took from there. And again, what I was doing with some of the other books, the Mark Bark, is where you see a variety of different women. I was using the same sort of process. Um, so every, every person he meets is going to be different. Different. They all come with, so shall we say, baggage. Oh yes, um, baggage. Everyone. There's there's a reason why it doesn't work out, and each one is different. Some with more success than others, and it it just gave me a vehicle for some of my humour. As you say, meeting Jack in the pub with a little bit of banter. I do like a bit of banter in my stories. You do, indeed. Um, 
Uh, just particularly one of the la- one of the dating um, experiences he had was a lady who just well yes she went out with the with the men just to get dinner <laughs> <laughs> and let them pay for it and say thank you very much and off she went. <laughs> yes. You know, so throughout all of your books, you know, the there is a connection. They all these books are connected. And for me, they have been wonderfully written. They are very, you know, and throughout all of the books, everybody, you will get Will Stebbings' sarcasm, sense of humour. But they are absolutely gripping, and I thoroughly enjoyed them. Do you have, uh, Will, what's next coming down the line? Where do you, you know, have you got any more books coming down the line, or is this it? Already written a, an eighth novel. Have you? All right. I haven't published it yet because I don't know what to do with it. It's completely different. Uh, it suffers from the fact that it's quite short. It's only thirty thousand words. Um, I'm contemplating putting it out as an ebook first, just gauge the reaction because it is so completely different. Um. I don't, I don't really know what to do. I did think about perhaps writing another short novel as well and combining the two into one, um, but I'm still thinking about all that. Who do you see, um, and, or who would you like to see reading your books? I think I, I, most of them are aimed at a more mature audience. Um, they've got to have a sense of humour. Or they do. If you like something deep and involved with lots and lots of convolute plots, probably not for you. It's very easy reading, in my opinion, which is what I've always set out to do. So you won't find long paragraphs and unnecessary big words. Most people that I know have read it said the first thing they say is it's very easy to read. I like that. Is that because you like reading that style of book yourself? I, if I'm reading, I don't want to have to read a paragraph and find, hang on, I didn't really understand that. I need to go back. I want it to just flow. And if I can get two or three chapters out of the way in quick succession, that's better than struggling over one long chapter. Where can people get your books? Well, they're all on Amazon. Um, they're all as ebooks available from all the usual platforms. All the Mark Barker books were originally self-published through somebody who did printing up front, Um, but they've now cleared their stocks. So unfortunately, you can't go into bookshops and order these, so it's going to have to be Amazon at the moment, unless somebody comes along and says, I'd like to publish your books for you. You never know. You never know. Well, you might, you might watch this and say, "Ah, oh, I like those. Let's let's um, contact Will and um, talk about a, a nice contract. You never know." So, Will, I thoroughly enjoyed reading your books. You know, the seven books, everybody. And all I say is, yes, they are for a mature um, audience, uh, particularly people who like a good sense of humour, because you're going to need it for these books. So thank you for coming on the show and talking to me because I've thoroughly enjoyed them. I'm JT Crowley. Thanks for listening, watching, wherever you're in the world. 
Stay safe.